taken in one stride, but when I reach that end point, then that will make all this worthwhile. When I get to the end point, and finally I have that qualification, and now the doors of all the various uh, things are opened out for me, where I can earn a very fancy figure, and I can have this and that and the other, then all these sacrifices that were made on the way, all the comforts and luxuries of the home that were sacrificed, all the easiness of whatever goes along with being at home, the things that he would have found ready for him, come home in the afternoon, in the evening, and that food is ready for him. Now he comes home, he must make his own thing, he comes back to his place of residence. Now start thinking of what to do to try and put something together to fill his belly. But because of what he sees coming ahead, he says, no, all this is worth the while. All this will become worthwhile. After all this little qualification of dunya, whatever else is achieved, while provided that it is within the limits of permissibility, Allah hasn't forbidden it, but regardless of how much a person achieves with it, it's all short-lived. If not today, then tomorrow. If not tomorrow, the day after. Sooner or later, every person is going to leave all this behind and go away. So this is the reality of dunya. It's short-lived. Very, very short-lived. And how short-lived it is, it was always very short-lived. But in the halat that we are living in, this reality is becoming even more apparent. It's always there. And it is not confined to anybody that is ill. Happening to anyone and everyone, suddenly the person is here and suddenly he's gone. Allah knows best when our time comes. So all this is very short-lived. But despite it being very short-lived, what a person sees coming out of it makes that whole journey, makes it easy for him, makes it worthwhile for him, makes it possible for him to undertake those sacrifices. So likewise, when a person with the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala gets to Jannah, and he's blessed with those everlasting bounties of Jannah, the bounties which one is our minds and our thinking where it stops, the bounties of Jannah start far beyond that. Where we can imagine that imagination will finally finish off, the bounties of Jannah start off far beyond that. And generally, our minds will run to things that we have understood in terms of bounties of dunya. That if this is what comfort I have enjoyed or tried to enjoy in dunya, the comfort of Jannah will be so much more greater than this in this particular aspect, in the aspect of eating and drinking, in the aspect of various other things of life. But all these bounties, while these are the type of bounties also that insan will be blessed with, and there are details of this in the ahadith. So Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala and sometimes would sit with his students and at length he would just relate the ahadith of Jannat. The Jannat is something to aspire for. Something is, Jannat is something to have that yearning for. To the extent that they'll be yearning for Jannat, they'll be yearning for those asbab and means that take a person to Jannat. If a person is yearning for Jannat, 
then obviously Jannat is not for free. Jannat, in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, Allah in Masilat Allah Ghaliha. That the merchandise of Allah Ta'ala is very, very valuable, very precious. It's not lying on the side of the street. It's Jannat. So now the merchandise of Allah Ta'ala is Jannat. Then it has a price. And if it's so precious, it has a price. So now the person who has his yearning for Jannat, it will make it easy to undertake those asbab and means that take him to Jannat. Which are the amal, the mujahada that is required. The striving against the nafs at the time of temptation. Because this is all going to propel him towards Jannat. So now, Abu Hurairah from time to time would sit with the Sahaba, with his students, and he would relate the ahadith of Jannat at length, in detail, various things. And all these are things that he heard from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi Islam explained these things in detail. Bird of Jannat, person will see it. وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَشْتَهِي أَنفُسُكُمْ وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَدَّعُونَ Some of us explain these are two different categories of Jannatis. وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَشْتَهِي أَنفُسُكُمْ This is the higher category of Jannati. And وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَدَّعُونَ This is one level below. That for you is whatever your heart desires. There will be some who they merely will desire it and be presented. And some will be one level lower. وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَشْتَهِ وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَدَّعُونَ They'll have to call for it. Ask for it. He'll come with Now that person saw that bird and he desired that this be presented to me ready to eat in whichever manner how he wanted it roasted or whatever. So now that desire came in his heart and it got presented to him. How he wanted it. Now all these so many ahadith in detail what will be the kind of palaces in Jannat, each brick, one of gold, and one of silver, and the cement beneath, between it is musk. And all the various na'mats and bounties of Jannat that have been explained in the Qur'an Sharif, explained in the Hadith, all this is forward. Then this insan will start yearning for it. But then to yearn for Jannat, it's not just a wish. The person keeps wishing and keeps desiring and do nothing about it. That Nabi Islam has explained in the Hadith Sharif, That's a fool. Foolish person chases after his desires, but he's having long hopes that everything will just work out. So now a person chases after his desires, is like the person who's planting all kinds of thorny trees and is hoping now that some beautiful fruit will grow out of this. He's planting thorns and he's wishing for a bed of roses. That doesn't happen. So, this yearning for Jannat, now the person who will yearn for Jannat, inshallah, he will then undertake those amal that will take a person to Jannat. And when a person is yearning for Jannat, then you see something that's going to become an obstacle, something that's going to derail him. And he doesn't want to take a chance with it because he can't afford it. He doesn't get derailed. So, this journey through dunya is this very great opportunity to earn this everlasting bounties of Jannat. And when a person gets there, 
as we're discussing, one is the bounties that we understand in terms of what we compare to what we have seen in dunya. But obviously we can't imagine what is the reality of it in Jannah. But all these bounties, these will pale into insignificance comparatively. In reality, this is also bounties of Jannah. And these are also for the enjoyment of the Jannati. But compared to the ni'mat that will be blessed to the people of Jannah, and according to their position and status in Jannah, that is how much they will be blessed with it. Somebody much more frequently, somebody less frequently. And that is that they will be blessed with the great ni'mat of seeing Allah Tabarak That is beyond every ni'mat of Jannat. Now, these are the bounties and the great blessings of Allah Ta'ala that will be blessed to the Jannatis. But to get there, this is the passage to go through, this passage of dunya. So now when a person has that little bit of hope about some benefit of dunya, it makes that all those sacrifices easy for him, makes it possible for him, to undertake it without any difficulty and eventually he even feels happy about the sacrifices he made. He says all was worthwhile. He missed out on so many family functions and so many celebrations and so many other things, whatever else came and went. But he says, well, you have to do all this. If you want to get there, you have to do all this. So likewise, we have this opportunity to earn Jannah. There are sacrifices to be made. The challenges come in the way a person has to undertake it. He has to remain steadfast. He has to keep focusing towards Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. Keep renewing his direction and focus and intention. So this journey of life that we have, on the one side, Allah Ta'ala has created within this insan certain needs. This insan. If this insan was created without needs, then he'll be like a machine. But even that machine also has needs. That machine somewhere has to be oiled and somewhere something and somewhere something. Even that machine too is not without needs of some sort. This insan, nevertheless, insan has needs. How muftaj this insan is? How much of need does he have? So if this insan didn't get food for a few hours, Five, six hours have passed, he always starts feeling hungry. And if 10, 12 hours have passed, now he can't even sit still. But hunger has become so intense. It's not even half the day yet. Eight, ten hours have passed, and he's becoming restless with hunger. And 12, 13 hours have passed, this is the karamat and the blessing of fasting, that when a person has the niyat of fasting, then somehow he... Allah Ta'ala makes it possible to pass through the whole day. But without fasting, a person hasn't been fasting and somehow he missed his breakfast and missed his lunch. Then by the time the evening comes, he's collapsing. Now this is Hassan, how Muhtaji is. Whereas he had a hearty meal the night before. But now he can't pass one day without food. He didn't get water to drink for a part of the day few hours went, it's a hot day, now he's getting parched and the thirst is becoming intense and he's becoming restless 
Whereas it's a few hours, four, five hours, six hours now without water. And this is how muhtaj this insan is. And that is as far as food and drink is concerned, that a few hours also go by, and this becomes very much difficult for him. Then, if he doesn't have the means to warm himself, and it becomes very cold, and the temperature starts dropping, now he starts becoming first uncomfortable, and then he starts shivering, and now he can't do anything, he is becoming completely restless, and he starts getting sick. Why? Because the temperature is now too low. The cold now has become too intense for him. And he doesn't have any means to warm himself. And it gets too hot, then too this insan becomes totally restless. So he becomes too hot, he's restless, now he wants an air conditioner, now suddenly he's load shedding. So now it's like he's a fish out of water now. Because now how does he cool himself? So now the cold water ran out. There's nothing else to cool himself. So now he can't function. It gets too cold, this insan can't function. It gets too hot, he can't function. He didn't get something to eat for a few hours, that too makes him totally useless. He didn't get to drink, he can't function anymore. And then something happens, he can't breathe for a small while. Then one minute becomes too much. One minute, two minutes, uh, his life is already going. This is how muhtaj insan is. Allah has created this insan, خُلِقَ الْإِنسَانُ ضَعِيفَ This insan has been created weak. He's ضَعِيف. But despite this dof, despite this weakness, this insan still becomes proud. He forgets how weak I am, how muhtaj I am. Something just goes little bit against what I am accustomed to, and I am helpless, I am restless, I can't function, I can't fulfill my day-to-day responsibilities and duties. But despite that, this insan becomes so proud. Allah Ta'ala created him weak, so that he realizes I am a weakling. I am a nobody, I am nothing. I am purely the slave of Allah Ta'ala, totally dependent on the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. Every fraction of a second, I entirely depend on the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala's mercy is taken away, Allah Ta'ala's help is uplifted, Allah Ta'ala's tawfiq is taken away for a brief moment also, this insan will perish. He'll perish spiritually, he'll perish physically. All purely dependent on the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. So this is how muhtaj this insan is. So on the one side, Allah Ta'ala has created the insan with needs. He has needs. And in order to fulfill these needs, Allah Ta'ala made the asbab for him, which he must acquire and take care of his needs. So now he has to eat, he has to drink, he needs a shelter, he is unable to stay without a shelter, he needs other basic things of life, various aspects. So now Allah Ta'ala has made it for him that now he will earn a living in a halal manner and he will take care of these needs. So all this also, when it's done in the correct way, it's done with the correct intention, it's done within the limits of shariat, it's done with that intention that this is Allah Ta'ala's command. I must earn a halal living to take care of these needs. Then all that becomes ibadat also. All this also becomes ibadat. And what level of ibadat? This too is Allah Ta'ala's grace. That on the one hand, the insan is busy doing things to take care of his own needs. 
He is doing what is going to take care of his own needs. The needs of his family. But he does it correctly. He does it keeping up the principles that Shariat has taught. That Rasulullah says, that person who undertook trade, business, but in an upright manner, with honesty, with truthfulness, then he will be raised with the Anbiya Ali wasalam, with the Siddiqeen, with the Shuhada on the day of Qiyamah. Subhanallah, can we imagine? What is the maqam of the Anbiya Ali wasalam, the Siddiqeen, the Shuhada? Meaning this person didn't compromise in any aspect of deen. And together with that, he conducted himself in this exemplary manner in terms of his earning. How he went about earning his living. How he conducted his business, his trade. So with honesty, with uprightness, with justice, with fairness. So obviously the foundation is all the ahkam of deen. And now in his specific field of earning a living, this is how he conducted himself. So not that a person now compromised his salah and didn't do whatever other things are required of deen. But in terms of his business, mashallah, he was only in that regard very good. So now he will get there. No, no, no. The bottom line is all the ahkam of deen in place. But then together with that, this was the manner he conducted himself. He didn't conduct business for the sake of business. Or didn't go to his job for the sake of the job. Or his profession for the sake of the profession. That wasn't the objective in itself. That was rather the means to an end. The end was fulfilling one's needs. And that was the means, the permissible means that Allah Ta'ala made permissible for him. So within the limits of Sharia, he undertook that. And with that correct intention. So then this becomes the great honor that Allah Ta'ala blesses him on the day of Qiyamah. So it's no minor thing. Very great. So that is the one part of it. That is insan, Allah Ta'ala has created him with needs. And if he takes care of those needs in the manner that Sharia has prescribed, within the limits Allah Ta'ala has given him, then this is how high it can elevate him. Taking care of his own needs, and this is how high it can elevate him. But then, there is a certain limit to needs. After a certain point, one is a need on a very basic level, then there is a need for making it a little bit more comfortable. There is various details in that. But nevertheless, there comes a point where the need at any level is all taken care of. But where that line finishes off, then starts the line of greed. So there is a point of things that destroy The second aspect, وَهَوَنْ مُتَّبَعْ And the third aspect, وَإِعْجَابُ الْمَرْءِ بِنَفْسِ These are three things that destroy. First thing, شُحُنْ مُتَعْ That greed which is obeyed. Greed which is obeyed, meaning one is a level where there's something that comes in the heart, some thought, some desire, so what is the level of a waswasa? Shaitan whispers something into the heart. Or oh, sometimes there is some remnant of this in the heart. So now it starts urging a person in a certain direction. But then he doesn't 
succumb to that. He opposes it. He acts contrary to it. So what is that waswasa shaitan has put in his heart? The waswasa of pride, the waswasa of riya, the waswasa of various other maladies. But then he acted contrary to it. He suppressed it. So that doesn't harm a person anyway. And neither is that something to bother about. But if that waswasa came, he should do something to clear that out also. There was a waswasa of Hasad, for example. Now, it was a waswasa. That's not going to be accountable. But still to clean the heart out of it. Because this too, repeatedly that waswasa comes, it leaves some little bit behind. And over time, that too will become a problem. So now he makes dua for the person from his heart, makes istighfar of that, that cleans out the heart. But now the person starts succumbing to it. So now that waswasa of greed, greed now, there is no end to greed. That greed doesn't finish off at a point. When a person starts chasing that greed, whether that greed is for the things of dunya, then there will never be an end. Today he changed something for the best that is there on the market, but six months time when something else will come, then this will be outdated. Regardless of whether it's how as good as new, whatever it might be, but till he doesn't get that next one, this will become a problem for him. This will not be able to give him any peace. Greed. If it's greed for power, position, then that will take a person to any extent. Abdurrahman bin Awf one person heard him, first he didn't even know who it was, he just heard one person, now he's making tawaf. He's making tawaf of the Kaaba Sharif, and this is such a Mubarak occasion of dua. So now he's making tawaf, and during the tawaf, he's making dua. So what is the dua he's making? Many a person at that time, as the days are now getting closer to returning perhaps, the person has gone for Umrah, gone for Hajj, so now he's making Tawaf, and now because it's close to returning time, now he's making Dua, and Dua upon Dua, one of the Duas is now making now, that somehow that person at the custom must get blinded, and he's making Dua, round making Tawaf of the Kawa Sharif, which the person at custom must get blinded. Why? Because so that all, whatever he is now loaded, his bags with must go away quietly. So now that became the dua around the Kaaba Sharif. That became the dua at Multazam. So the whole dua also became dunya. So now he's making dua around the Kaaba Sharif, he's making tawaf. And dua he's making only one dua. And just the only dua he's making, Allahumma qini shuha nafsi. Allahumma qini shuha nafsi. Ya Allah, protect me from the greed of my nafs. Ya Allah, protect me from the greed of my nafs. Now this person, one tabi'i, he happened to be now making tawaf alongside somehow, and he's hearing this person is repeatedly making the same dua. So he eventually, perhaps maybe after they finished off, so he asked him that you are only making this one dua, no other dua you are making. What was the reason? I mean, there's so many du'as, but you are making only this one du'a? So he said, yes, if I am saved from the greed of my nafs, then I won't steal, because the greed makes a person steal. 
If I'm safe from the greed of my nafs, I won't commit zina. Of any level. Because that all happens as a result of greed. If I'm safe from the greed of my nafs, then I won't do this, I won't do that. All the evils that become a problem for insan, the root of it is greed. Because the person knows now, he's been told this is impermissible, but yet he's going into it. It's some sort of greed, one or the other. The greed of some sort. The greed for wealth, the greed for position, the greed for lust, the greed for something or the other becomes the catalyst that now drives the person in that direction. So now this is the dua he's making. Whole tawaf. Whole tawaf one dua only. Allahumma qini shuha nafsi. Allah save me from the greed of my nafs. This person says, I asked him, who are you? He turned out to be Abdurrahman bin Awf radiallahu ta'ala. Great sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He understood something. He understood something very deep. And this was perhaps to become a lesson. Therefore it doesn't mean that he never ever made any other dua at any other time. But that particular tawaf, this was his dua. What a deep dua. So one is the level of need. And need also has its various levels. One is a very very basic need. The need for something a little bit more. The need for some level of comfort. Whatever it is, there are details in that. But then beyond that comes a level of greed. And greed, there's no end to it. When a person falls into that greed, the only treatment for the greed is contentment. To the extent that a person has developed qana'at, contentment. He's content, there's nobody more wealthier than him. There's nobody more peaceful than him. Regardless of whatever his position might be financially, in terms of anything of life. But if he has qanaat, innal ghina, ghina nafs. To the extent that the person has qanaat, then he'll be at peace. And without qanaat, there's no end to it. No matter what a person might have, but he'll always be looking somewhere else. So the first thing that Rasulullah mentioned in this hadith sharif was, that the three things that are muhlikat, that are destroyers. So the first thing was, shukhun muta'un. The second aspect, wahawan muttaba'un. Hawan muttaba', the desires that are followed. So a desire coming into the heart is involuntary. That shaitan will whisper something, the nafs will desire something. That desire is involuntary. But acting on that desire is within a person's control. Or deciding to not act upon it is in his control. And this is the whole test of life. And this is what has been given to us in this ayat of the Quran Sharif. That the person who fears standing on the day of Qiyamah in front of his Rabb and giving an account of his deeds as a result. And that then, when that becomes the way that a person conducts his life, whatever I desire I must have, until I don't have it then I must try to keep having it, then that becomes what controls him. Everything then starts running on, the, on that matter of desire. If he is happy also, he is happy only because what he desired he got. And if he is upset, he is down, he is depressed, is because what he desired didn't come. Not what Allah Ta'ala wants from him. To be happy upon what Allah Ta'ala wanted from him.
لیکن ون دعا رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم میڈ دس دعا وچ واز تعلیم فالس اللهم اجعلني من الذين اذا احسنوا استبشروا واذا اساءوا استغفروا Allah make me among those when they do some good they become happy this is happiness not proud they become happy on what what a great bounty Allah bless me with Allah Ta'ala enabled me to fulfill this good act Allah Ta'ala's grace this is real happiness this is happiness that a person does that which makes Allah Ta'ala happy Allah Ta'ala becoming happy that is the real happiness for insan for this banda of Allah Ta'ala so now a person when desires take over his life he will be depressed whenever his desire hasn't worked out regardless of whether that was something permissible impermissible if his desire didn't work out he's depressed and now insan how many desires is going to fulfill today one then tomorrow something else but then how far so he will forever be in this depression of some sort and this restlessness the lack of any kind of peace within himself this unease there won't be any end to it because there's no end to desires and those desires cannot always be fulfilled in fact most of the time it can't be fulfilled so now he'll always be in the state of unease and always trying to somehow as a result and then these desires person now fulfilled a haram desire this is shaitan's very great trap very very great and severe trap of shaitan and nafs sometimes a temptation comes in the heart and now the temptation starts strengthening and a person seems to becoming very uh, helpless in front of the temptation so what trap a person falls in that now this intensity of this temptation is getting so severe that i can't withstand this anymore if i succumb to this if i give in to this and i commit this sin then this will be the end of this feeling the end of this temptation and then i will be at least over with this then i'll carry on properly and carry on with life without getting involved in this ever again so rather i just now get done with this Now that is a very severe trap of shaitan because at that time when a person succumbs to it what he really did was that he strengthened the roots so now for that moment everything seemed to now suddenly have come right he seems to be now over with this battle within himself and he feels that now i i over with it i can now carry on with life without getting into this problem again but in reality what he has done is he has strengthened the roots of it so now the first time it came at a certain intensity the second time because the roots have been strengthened it will finally come back with greater intensity so it came on the scale of 1 to 10 it came with the intensity of 7 previously now will come at 9 and then the next time will come at maybe past 10 will come at 11 So now every time that he keeps indulging in this he is further strengthening the roots of it momentarily it will seem like now okay he got done with this but then he'll come back with greater force 
And eventually a person becomes completely enslaved by this. And on the other side, if he restrained himself, it seemed for that moment that maybe he might even lose his life. But Allah Ta'ala doesn't take anybody's life for that. Rather he gets life. When he restrains himself from haram, his life doesn't go. He gets life. Meaning the reality of life comes. The life of the heart. That heart comes alive. It comes alive with the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. It comes alive with the true enjoyment of life. So now the first time it came at the intensity level of 10, but he restrained himself. He distracted that mind in some way. He went and started, made wudu, got engaged in the tilawat of the Quran Sharif. He made some nafil salah. He started making the zikr of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. Took on some good kitab and started reading it. He went and sat down with some pious friends and company. He did something or the other that will distract the heart and mind from this kind of thought that he's now, shaitan is trying to tempt him into. And eventually it passed. So he undertook that mujahada, whatever it was, it passed. It doesn't mean that this will never happen again. But the second time round when it happens, first time it came at the intensity level of 10, it will come at 8 now. Because it got weakened. He deprived it of that nourishment. And then again he restrained himself, he'll come at level 6 maybe. After a few times he'll come at level 1. And when he keeps maintaining that, then what seemed to be a mountain once upon a time, will be like shooing a fly away. But he'll have to undertake that mujahada. But now a person gives in to desires, then the desires rule his life. And then, a person who becomes the slave of desire, أَفَرَأَيْتَ مَنِ اتَّخَذَ إِلَاهَهُ هَوَا Allah Ta'ala says, have you seen the person who made his desires, his deity, that everything just gets left one side. وَأَضَلَّهُ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ عِلْمٍ وَخَتَمَ عَلَىٰ سَمْعِهِ وَبَصَرِهِ وَجَعَلَ عَلَىٰ قَلْبِهِ غِشَاوَةً Everything despite knowledge, despite whatever a person knows, despite when the desires have become the thing that rules his life, everything else just goes away, out of the way, he becomes blinded to everything, he becomes blind, he becomes deaf to the nasihat and advice people might give him, he'll see the destruction glaring in front of him, but he can't see it. That if I'm going to get into this, where is going to lead me to everything is glaring, but the desires blind him from it. It blocks his ears to all the advice, it blocks his heart and puts that veil over his heart, he can't ponder and think correctly. The desires just drive him. So the only solution to this, this is the ailment, and the remedy to it is what was discussed. The only remedy is that mukhalifat, an opposing of that nafs and desires. He restrains that nafs, he opposes it. It's desiring something, he does the opposite then in time he starts ruling over that nafs. So this was the second aspect that Rasulullah mentioned, which is this destroyer. The first was that greed which is obeyed. The second is the desires that are followed. And the third aspect that Rasulullah mentioned, which destroys a person, a person getting 
caught up in thinking great about himself, better about himself, that I am better than others, I am somebody, I am something, I have some ability. He forgets that if there is something that he apparently possesses, that too is purely Allah Ta'ala's grace. Purely Allah Ta'ala's fazal and karam. No doing of his own. In one moment he can be gone. In one moment he can be without it. So he forgets that all this, whatever he might seem to have, is only purely Allah Ta'ala's grace. And he forgets how weak he is. At the beginning of the whole discussion, how muhtaj this insan is. Forgets all that. He thinks, I'm somebody, I'm something. He starts talking like Qarun. Inna Qarun kana min qawmi Musa fabagha alayhi. That he was a person who Allah Ta'ala gave him so much. But now when all that wealth and everything came to him, he forgot Allah Ta'ala. What are you talking about this, that, and I got all this out of my expertise. This was my intelligence, my thinking, my expertise. That's where all this came from. But then what became the end result? results in destruction. So these are the muhlikat that Rasulullah warned us against. That these are things that a person should be very, very cautious about. These are things to repeatedly check our hearts, keep examining ourselves, and whatever of these things we find within ourselves, to keep making an effort to cleanse our hearts out of these things, and to become the total and complete servants of Allah, wa ta'ala, humble servants of Allah, ta'ala, and become among those who follow whatever Rasulullah has taught us in this way inshallah we'll gain the muhammad of Allah Ta'ala, gain the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala our dunya also will become a place of peace for us and the real place is akhirat where the everlasting bounties of Jannah will be granted Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala make us among those wa akhiru da'awana alhamdulillah la ilaha illallah la ilaha illallah la ilaha
ربنا ولا تحمل علينا اسرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به وعف عنا واخفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأبتنا على الإيمان وأحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعسيان واجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم اشف مرضانا ومرض المسلمين اللهم اشف مرضانا ومرض المسلمين اللهم اشف مرضانا ومرض المسلمين وارحم موتانا يا رب العالمين وارحم موتانا وموت المسلمين يا رب العالمين اله العالمين يا الله اوس مسيفول موس غريشس موس كايل موس لوفيغ الله اله العالمين يا الله يو كاونتليس بينيفيتس اند باونتيز اند بليسينجز يا الله شاورينج ابون اس افري مومنت يا الله افري سكند يا الله إله العالمين يا الله but we have been so ungrateful يا الله إله العالمين forgive our ingratitude يا الله إله العالمين يا الله يا الله out of your grace and mercy يا الله يا الله enable us to be grateful to you for all your bounties and نعمات يا الله إله العالمين despite your bounties and نعمات يا الله we have been so sinful يا الله we have been so disobedient يا الله إله العالمين there is nothing that we can hide from you يا الله you are the all knowing the all seeing يا الله إله العالمين يا الله يا الله but today يا الله We are sincerely repenting, Ya Allah. We are making Tawbah from all the sins we have committed, Ya Allah. Allah, 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 out of your grace and mercy, forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive all our major and minor sins, Ya Allah. Forgive what we did in the darkness of the night, in the light of day, Ya Allah. Forgive what we did deliberately, mistakenly, Ya Allah. Allah, 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 forgive every sin, Ya Allah. Make us like the day we were born, sinless, Ya Allah. Allah, 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 forgive our families, Ya Allah. Forgive our friends and relatives, Ya Allah. Forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Allahumma ighfir li ummati Sayyidina Muhammadin sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Allahumma arham ummata Sayyidina Muhammadin sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Allahumma aslih ummata Sayyidina Muhammadin sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Allahumma farrij al-kurab an ummati Sayyidina Muhammadin sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Ilaha illa Allah, ya Allah, the ummah is in desperation ya Allah. Allah 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 we acknowledge all this is due to our misdeeds Ya Allah All this is due to our sins Allah 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 remove the difficulties and hardships Ya Allah Remove the evils Ya Allah Remove the pain Ya Allah Remove the suffering Ya Allah 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 remove the viruses Ya Allah 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 remove the illnesses Ya Allah Give shifa to one and all Ya Allah 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 all those who are sick give them shifa Kamila, ajila, mustabirra, daima Allah 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 Ya Allah grant afiyat to one and all Ya Allah Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah. Allah grant us a tawfiq of those a'mal that bring down your rahmat, Ya Allah. Bless us and the entire ummah with such a'mal that bring your rahmat, Ya Allah. Save us and the entire ummah from such a'mal that bring down azab, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah. Allah make us your obedient servants, Ya Allah. Allah make our external selves obedient to you, Ya Allah. Make our internal selves obedient to you, Ya Allah. Make our hearts shine, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, remove all the dirt and filth from our hearts, Ya Allah. Allah fill our hearts with piety, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with taqwa, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with tawakkul, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with, Ya Allah, with tawakkul and inabat, Ya Allah. With ruju ila Allah, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with tawazu, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with qana'at, Ya Allah. Remove the greed from our hearts, Ya Allah. Remove the greed from our hearts, Ya Allah. Save us from chasing behind haram desires, Ya Allah. Save us from chasing behind the greed of our nafs, Ya Allah. 
Allah, 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 Allah,
all those who asked us to make dua for them, all those who have hoped that we'll make dua for them, Ilahul Alamin, grant each one's jai's needs, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Grant barakat to each one in their, Ya Allah, wealth, in their life, in their health, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us our greatest need, Ya Allah. Whether we realize it or not, Ya Allah. Our greatest need is that we become yours, Ya Allah. That you become ours, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, bless us with this, Ya Allah. اللهم انا نسالك من خير ما سالك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله